welcome back. Sort of cool show. Here we are. Man, dude, listen. This is a good time of year. It is the best. I mean, first of all, you know, you and I both kind of live in the South. Um, and the humidity sucks. So the it's fall brings terrible. really good weather, typically. Yes. Pretty decent weather down these parts. It's like the humidity starts to go away a little bit. And it's not so sticky when you walk That's outside. Right. It's not so sticky sweet. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you Fo- know football. What? Fo- football you happens know, in the fall. Football happens in the fall. Cool weather happens in the fall. It, it's just, it is my favorite season. Isn't it yours? You know, I don't know, man. It I is do, mine, I man. do love, I do love the summer. I love the springtime oh, too. God. I think, but I think the summer, you know, I love like, you know, going to hang out at the pool at the weekends, you know, mm-hmm. just hanging out, just listening to music, sit by the pool. I hate summer, dude. You know. Well, one of the things we both love about the fall, obviously, like we said earlier, is football, and we're Absolutely. both big Carolina. We're both big Carolina Panther fans. That's right, we are, man. Still lives in Nashville and still a Panther fan, so I oh, gotta heck give yeah, him man. Those props, I've been, man. I've been here a long time. I haven't transferred over to the Titans yet. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't hate the Titans. You know, no, me either, I'll, man. I'll pull for them. You know, when they're not playing the Panthers, but you know, That's it's right, the man. Panthers are my team. I've got to. Yeah, you know, I, I've been with them since day one. So you have a Panther have on right now <laughs> i do i absolutely do man <laughs> i typically have something panther on man a hat or shirt something like that so hey so anyway it was a decent game man yeah. you know i mean teddy bridgewater looked pretty good i thought so i mean you got to understand we we got rid of everybody we got it from mccaffrey we yeah. got it except for mccaffrey you know um uh, our linebacker, um, Luke Keekley retired. Luke Keekley retired. Olsen went elsewhere. Yeah, he's in Seattle. Um, he's in Seattle um, catching passes from uh, Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson. Yep. Um, so, yeah, and he, which he will. And so we pick up Teddy Bridgewater. Cam goes to New England, the yep. team that I hated worse Hate. than anybody. But I, I'm a Cam fan, though. Yeah. I've always been a Cam. So I hope he does well. He did well yesterday. But we still have Christian McCaffrey, and I thought for the most part we did some okay things yesterday. Yeah, I think it was okay. Yeah, it was all right. I mean, look, I mean, like, I mean, the Las Vegas Raiders dropped thirty-four points on us. I mean, Drew Brees is going to shred us. And Tom our, our defense—they're just so. Like a- yeah, I mean, our defense is so young. I mean, our corners, they're not incredibly fast. I mean, right. it's—I don't know, dude. We're going to get smoked. But you know what? Good thing is, if we if we get that number one pick, we will probably draft Trevor Lawrence out of Clemson. We, we probably will, because he will be the number one pick. And yeah. yeah, but in order to get that number one pick, we got about lose every game. Don't we? I don't think that's going to be difficult. <laughs> I think it's going to happen. I mean, think about it, man. We got to play. We got to play Drew Brees twice. We got to play Tom Brady twice. We got to play Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan twice. I mean, yes. that's. We're losing every one of those games, and we just lost against the Raiders. I mean, yeah, I, I know, man. I'm with you. <laughs> you know I, what I mean, I, I would, you know, it's a, it's a catch twenty two because you'd yeah. like to get Trevor Lawrence, but you don't want to also go through a season and every time, every Sunday, you go, oh god, what time the Panthers play? You know what I mean? I mean I it's know, like dude, you want to go, dude, what time the Panthers play? You know, we don't do that anymore yeah, yet. But we we only do that about once a decade, <laughs> where we're like. Oh, dude, the Panthers, yes. Yeah, but oh, you know dude. what? I do like Matt Rule, though. I like Coach I Rule. I like him. I mean, I so guess. far he hasn't proven me. He hasn't done anything for me not to like him. Yeah, and he's he like was, coach, he was successful. He's like coach one game. 
So, you know, <laughs> we'll see what happens. Oh, he's got he's got 15 more chances to blow this thing. That's right. A ch- ch- change, change, change of subject. Something I heard interesting today. Bill Wyman from the Stones. Yeah. Did you hear about him selling his bass guitar? That he in fr- he sold the ba- the Fender that he played in '69 and '70, and he sold it. He sold a bunch of gear that he had used with the Stones through the years, mm-hmm. and all some of the proceeds of all the sales went to some of his charities that he supports. The bass guitar went for three hundred and thirty thousand dollars. Wow! And so, but following that, they I found out that. Dave Gilmore's guitar that he played on what was it two million bucks he, oh, yeah. he got for that? I mean, yep. come on, dude, two yeah. million bucks for Dave Gilmore's guitar. He gave he got, on Dark gave, Side of the Moon. He gave every penny of that to fight to fight climate change. Did he really? Yes, every penny. I swear, I thought he was giving it to the sort of cool show. <laughs> but, but I never, I haven't seen the check yet. I mean, what, oh man, I dude. didn't know. I didn't know he did that with yeah, it. Yeah, man, he, that's what he did with that money. It's so crazy. You know, I just spent. Um, I didn't spend anywhere near two million dollars or three hundred thousand, but I did spend about seventy-five bucks on an autographed Pete Rose baseball. You did? I did, my, man. My my grandmother cussed him every time. <laughs> Every time Pete Rose came on the the the, the TV, yeah. my grandmother would stand up and she would hurl the most obscenities to him. She yeah. hated that man. Man, he hated is my him. you know. I I was born in Ohio, Cincinnati guy. That's right. Yeah, I grew up in North Carolina, so I've always been a, I've always been a Reds fan. And Pete Rose is my favorite player of all time. Charlie Hustle. I mean, well, come on. The the thing that frustrates me to no end I know what is that baseball. In and of itself, is about hitting a ball. It's totally about hitting a and baseball. And no one in the history of the universe has done it better than Pete Rose. And they want to keep him out of the hall. That drives that me crazy. Is, that is one of the biggest sports travesties of all time. The yeah. fact that Pete Rose is not in the Hall of Fame. And I guarantee me. you, you ask any player playing baseball today or played baseball in the past and they would go, okay, so the dude made a mistake or yeah. two or three. Yeah. He deserves the, the hall is about him being in there because of his performance in a game. It's yeah. not, that's like, you know, kiss didn't get in the hall forever. Yeah. And they should have been in it years ago. And it, you know, you put them in the hall because of what they've done for the, for rock and roll. Right. Same with baseball. Pete Rose should be in the hall of fame. There is no doubt about it. And that's a travesty from baseball that he's not, but you paid 75 bucks for a, well, yeah, I I did, man. It was, uh, you know, it's, it's authenticated. It's, you know, it's official authorized, you know, autograph. It was witnessed by, uh, this particular grading company. And so, Um, you know, I did my homework, did my research. I have a Mickey Mantle ball that I got signed personally by him right. when I was about right. 11 years old. And, you know, he's my other, one of my other favorite baseball players. And right. I, I was just like, man, I, man, I gotta have an autograph Pete Rose baseball, man. You I just did, have, to, man. have to have it. And it wasn't I, that expensive. And I thought, man, the guy's still living. He's still signing baseballs. Absolutely, I mean, like, I, man. Might as well get it now. And, uh, you know, certainly cause my, my, one of my regrets is, 
uh, Scotty Moore, guitar player for Elvis Presley, mm-hmm. was ha- on his name. website. He was signing. He would sign autographs, like he would sign an eight by ten, and he would right. personalize it for you, and he would send it to you for ten bucks. You just okay. send him ten dollars in the mail, and he sends that back to you. Right. Sure. And well, then you know, as he got older. Uh, it was very difficult for him to sign autographs. And so he stopped doing it and then he ended up obviously passing away. And there were mm-hmm. several times where I logged on to order the thing and just never did. Yeah. And now I could kick myself because I'm like, yeah, you know, of course. huge of Elvis course. fan. Well, now, you know, I could maybe I could find one online somewhere, but I don't yeah. know. I had an opportunity to get one personally from him and just never did it. So my, uh, my father had a rookie, Mickey Mantle rookie card mm. and installed Mickey play when he was, you know, and yeah. But my grandmother threw it away. Literally taught this. It's the same one that cussed out Pete Rose. Now, it's the same. It's the same one that cleaned out the attic in Philadelphia where my dad grew up and threw Mickey Mantle rookie card into the trash can along with every other card he had at that time. Yeah, my dad was well, in college playing. You know ball. how you know how like when you're a kid you would put baseball cards in your your bicycle. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah, I put a Mark McGuire 85 oh, yeah. Olympic yeah. rookie card. That's, that's, <laughs> Didn't know who he was so, back in 85, you know what I mean? Like, I just thought, hey, Everybody man, I did that, man. I had a Hank Aaron yeah. card I probably did that with, too. Oh, my gosh, dude. So you bought some cassettes recently, I saw. I did. And I saw that you, and, and I ordered, um, good gosh, you, and it's your fault because I, I didn't order cassettes, but I ordered Kiss Alive on 8-track. Mm-hmm. And then, oh, my gosh, I put a bid in, and right now I'm the highest bidder. But I put a bit on double platinum, Kiss Alive to Dynasty, and um, one a rock and roll over eight track. Wow! I'm, I'm now I'm kind of hoping I don't win, but I think yeah. I'm going to win it. But and then I'm, I have to do it. So in your cassettes, I saw that you had got you uh, some some hair metal glory in oh, your yeah. cassettes. But oh, here's yeah. the question: Did you get any Van Halen? Well, so I did. He, there actually were a couple Van Halen cassettes up there. Um, where I was, where I was kind of digging around and I did buy a uh, 5150. Okay. Which is the first yeah. Sammy, Sammy record, Absolutely. right? The first Sammy album that they did, which was the, you know, the, the album right before that was the diamond selling 1984. It well, changed the, everything about Van Halen. Yeah. Their sound. I mean, their that's sound. where they, that's where the synth sound really started to come from. I think that it's the reason why Roth, I mean, because Roth said, you know, he's leaving because of musical differences. I got to right. believe it's because of the synthesizer stuff. I just don't think that was his thing. I thought he felt like that was as as cheesy as he is as a human. I think he right. felt like all that synth was kind of cheesy musically and he just wasn't gonna, wasn't willing to do it. What did you think when you first heard, first single obviously was Jump. So Jump. Yeah, for me, you know, I... In 1984, I was nine years old. So, okay. but I, I did forget. listen. But I did listen to the very first Van Halen record. You know, that came okay. out in '78. I was listening sure. to that at that time. You know, my dad okay. had it, so I was right. spinning his records on the record mm-hmm. player. And mm-hmm. and I, I mean, I loved Van Halen. Van Halen was great. Yes. But I didn't really have the kind of musical musical okay. um, palette, I guess, to really understand the difference between right. a synthesized song and a guitar-driven song. Mm-hmm. I mean, gotcha. For me, it was just like, that's the same guy singing, and it sounds great. It's a really good okay. song. I, I hear what you mean. Yeah, for yeah. me, I I really was kind of like, hmm. Because I remember when it came out, and I remember where I was in my life at that time, and I was too a Van Halen fan, coming from 
the previous records, you know, um, fair warning and all of them, you know, I loved fair warning and I loved the first three, you know, what, what didn't love diver down. I just wasn't into that record. Although I, you know, I have it, but when this came out, you know, every time I turned on the TV, that video was playing, you know, jump was playing and it caught me really quick. And I, I really liked the tune. You know, and it was, yeah. but it was so different. And it's, of course, I've got the record. I went and got the record. I saw the tour as well. Yeah. You know, and the tour was really different because a lot of synth going on in that tour. A lot. You know? Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I don't dislike it. I think the way they did it was, was tasteful. What's weird mm-hmm. is for me is the very first track of that of that record kind of the you know self-titled or yeah. 19, 1984 right was the is the first right, right. track on the record yeah. and it's an instrumental it's a synth mm-hmm. instrumental sure. and i think that sets the tone for what you're going to get on the rest of the album for the most part not everything is synth right in but yeah. you know certainly the biggest hit which was their number one single the only number one single the band ever had was jump right and, and that's all totally synth laden. And so they later come out with two massive songs, Panama and Hot for Teacher. Panama's opening is just, I mean, yeah. you cannot, I mean, it's just so in your face, you know. Ted Templeman produced it. Okay, so they have recorded everything prior to this at Sunset in L.A., right? Every record they did was at Sunset or Amigo Studio. This is the record it was first done at Eddie's place at 5150 mm. and it was a, it was a mess. Wow. And I'm getting, I'm telling you all this cause I've reading Ted Templeman's book. And so today I purposely went to that section and it was a mess. The engineer and Eddie would stay locked in the, in that studio for days without coming out. Just, you'd have to read it for me. Not, I don't want to go into everything. I'm just saying there's a lot of deep stuff, but Ted Templeman once again said, David Lee Ross lyrics is what made this record. He wrote, just about every lyric on this record. And they said that when he wrote the lyrics to Jump, they thought it was a song about suicide first, and Templeman didn't like it. And he was like, no, man, that's a song about jump up and take care of business or something, you know? <laughs> yeah, but it was like, jump and take what's yours or whatever, yeah. you know? But he was talking about how this was about became the breaking point between Eddie and Ted because of the conflict of him not wanting to do it 5150 but wanting to do it back where they had done all the other records. It's yeah. really cool. It's some interesting stuff. A lot of conflict happened during that record right there. Templeman don't love the record at all. Well, don't yeah. Love it. And it's, and it's wild. I mean, I think it's, a, it's a different kind of album. You know, it's like, like I said, man, there's nine songs on this record. The first one is a, is a 60 second synthesized, just yeah. keyboard solo. Yes. I don't know. I mean, you know what I mean? So in all reality, this is an eight song album. You know, yeah, well, like, right. it's an eight song album. There were four singles. So mm. Jump, which went to number one, I'll Wait mm-hmm. went to number 13. Panama went to number 13. Check this out. Hot for Teacher only went to number 56 on the charts. What? MTV is what made that that song okay. huge. That's would... why we all know it. We all know it because of MTV. MTV. It was a huge music video. But the song itself didn't do anything at radio. 
Isn't that crazy, man? Yeah, didn't do anything. I mean, that's just, I would have, if you hadn't have told, said that, I would yeah. have never, ever thought that. I would have yeah. thought that Hopford Teacher was a big hit for him, just like Jump and not necessarily <laughs> yeah, number you would one, but so. just a big hit for him. You would think you know, so. You would think it would be a huge record, but it just wasn't. And, you know, the, the other great thing about this that's just so, like, you, you know, nowadays, man, I don't know that you're going to see very many albums sell 10 million copies ever again. You're right. You know, this one sold 10 million copies by 1999, I believe. Okay. Is when it sold by okay. it hit 10 million in 1999. So it came out 84. And then by 1999, it had sold 10 million copies in the U.S. I mean, God, that that is just so freaking many records. Because we have talked about records in our other shows that have sold, you know, 12, 14, whatever million. And you talk yeah. about, you know, Back in Black and, and, and yeah. Hotel California stuff. Yeah. It, it, you're right, man. To think about that is like mind-blowing because it just doesn't happen anymore. It you know. Happen. But yeah. interestingly enough, you know, the, the writers of I'll Wait was and it was another source of conflict. I'll Wait was written by David Lee Roth and Michael McDonald. Michael McDonald was not given credit on the record mm. at all. His name is nowhere. And they refused to give him credit on the record. Eddie <laughs> oh said, nope, gosh. nope, nope, didn't do it. He didn't write it, but he did. Roth asked Templeman if he could get a hold of Michael McDonald to see if he would co-write with this. Wow. I learned something about Roth through this reading this. He's a lot smarter than, than people give him credit for. Yeah, he's a vaudeville act, right? And he acts like a goofball now. Yeah. But the guy can write lyrics. And they're, yeah. they're weird lyrics, you know? But yeah, Michael McDonald wrote that song and it got no credit. You mentioned this whole conversation started by this that 5150 cassette that I bought, you know, which was Sammy's right. first record sure. uh, with Van Halen. You know, Sammy obviously had a very successful career prior to this. I mean, he had his band Montrose very much. that he did oh, very yeah. he did very well with. And then obviously his solo career, he would he had just come off really the biggest record of his solo career. I mean, he had a platinum album to his yeah. credit. That that record came out in July. So 80, 1984 from Van Halen came out in January of eighty four. And okay. then um Sammy's VOA came out in July of eighty four. So same also year. Also produced by Ted also Temple. produced by Ted Templeman. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and that's the record that had "I Can't Drive" fifty five, which is a smash. Yes. Yes. Right? yes. You know? It was a top thirty, you know, radio single, and uh, that album sold a million copies. And so that's it's a, really that's a great it, record. I think it is, man. And it's interesting to me to see an artist like Sammy, who has had all kinds of success. And even as a solo artist, he kind of controls his own destiny. He's coming off of mm -hmm. a hit record, and he leaves it all behind to go join Van Halen. Right, right. Which, look, it, it, hindsight's twenty twenty. It probably was the best decision he ever made career-wise. Because it only boosted his solo stuff, too, you know? Yeah. It only did that. But, you know, it's interesting. Remember a few shows back, we were talking about we were talking about the different things and Van Halen was one of the things we were just in passing talking about how Templeman had men mentioned when he first saw Van Halen that he thought, nah, this dude's not the singer, but if I can get Sammy Hagar in here, he he's the man. And how interesting is it that he ends up producing Sammy's first record and then produces, I think he produced 5150. Did he not? Or Ted did, did not produce 5150. Okay. That, okay. That's the record that does not have a producer listed. It has the same engineer, but there's no producer listed. It says yeah, Van perform, performed listed. by yeah, performed by the guys. Yeah, but no yeah. producer. Yeah, um, yeah. 
but Sammy, man, when he, you know, it almost makes you think, you know, when he did, when they did jump and when they did that record, they kind of kept that whole scent thing going when Sammy came on board because oh, it yeah, never it was, really changed. It was almost like it was meant to be like, like Eddie already had it in his mind that I know what I want to do with, with this. And look, it man, continued. The, the band is named after him. Right. And you know brother. I mean? <laughs> him and his brother. I mean, they're going to make the decisions. I don't care if, you know, I'm, I'm almost finished reading Steve Gorman's book from the Black Crows, right. and he was a thir- sure. like uh, an original member of the Black Crows. Right. It was Chris and Rich Robinson, Steve Gorman, and then everyone else, right? Because it was kind of a little right. bit of a revolving door with the rest of the band. But those are the three sure. constants, and they were e- three equal partners in that band. But even Gorman knew, it's like, how am I going to do this when it's the brothers? It's like the brothers right. are going to call the shots. This is Chris even, and Richard's band. Yeah, even though even though it wasn't legally their band, right. they were. Gorman knew that those guys were going to call the shots if if he and he 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 constantly struggled and wrestled with that trying to make that happen. But you got to think if the band is named after you, if the band is called Van Halen and your last name is Van Halen, the buck stops with you. And if David Lee Roth wants to do something, sorry, right? You know, so, and go do a solo so record, he, which he did. Yeah. You know, and that'd be like our band being called Blair. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, you know what's funny, man? I was talking to my I was talking to my son about uh, about when Van when when D, when David Lee Roth left Van Halen, and I was like, oh yeah, dude, like he had, you know, Greg Bissonette on drums, Billy Sheehan on bass, Steve Vai on guitar, and my yeah, son man. was like, oh my gosh, he's like, it's not even fair that he goes from Eddie Van Halen to Steve Vai. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, oh, that's my, my son. He's funny. like, it's not even fair. Like, how does that even, like, you know, he goes from, he's got two amazing guitar players. Yeah, it's not fair. I mean, Steve Vai, I saw, man, I saw a thing, a solo gig with him on TV about a year ago. And I've never really paid much attention to him outside of him playing with bands and so forth. You know, like Roth, whoever. But I never saw him just solo, and I was just amazed. I mean, I know he's a, a massive player, yeah. but I just never had paid attention to him. And so, yeah, Roth had a band of champions in that. Yeah. I mean, that was a great band, you know? Yeah, and with Steve Vai, I mean, there's a there's a classic scene in Crossroads, the movie, yes. um, with Steve Vai and um, yes. Ralph Macchio in the, you know, on the, Macchio. In the scene. Yeah. It's just it's a great classic. movie. It's, it's that's an incredible scene of Steve Vai playing, yeah. and Vai, you know, obviously he played with White Snake as well. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I mean, he you know, look, man, that White guy, Snake. that guy's ridiculous. God, I forgot about him playing with White Snake, man. He did yep. play with White Snake. Was that pre um, Adrian Vandenberg or was that same it time was, frame? Well, it was. Uh, that's who he replaced. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I got it was, it yeah. was Vivian Campbell. I'm I'm almost positive it, it was Vivian you're Campbell. Right, you're right. And then You're Vivian right. left to go join Def Leppard when Steve Clark died. That's right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, speaking of Vivian, I never realized that he played for Dio until yes. I got the records. And I was oh, just looking yeah. at, I was listening to, to Dio's, um, that record, Holy Diver. Yeah. And I was listening to that and I was thinking, who is this playing, man? Because this guy is killing it. So mm-hmm. I pulled the, uh, I pulled it up and I looked and I was like, oh my gosh, that's Vivian Campbell because he doesn't play like that in Def Leppard, of no, course. No, uh-uh. but but that shows you the talent that those guys have. You know, because yeah, able to come from Dio to Def Leppard and just blend right in, and with mm-hmm. White Snake as well. Mm-hmm. Back to 1984. Now, 
What's your favorite tune on here? Panama. Yeah. Man. Yeah, all day. I, I agree. I, yep. Man, there's. I'll be honest with you, man. You know, I like this record. I listened to it yesterday, front to back, and there's the really and truly, man. The first seven songs, I'm good with. Um, well, okay, let me say, after, starting with Jump, I'm going to talk about 1984, yeah. but, you know, Jump, Panama, Top Jimmy, Drop Dead Legs, Hop for Teacher, I'll Wait. I'm good with that. I like. I even like the Girl Gone Bad to some degree. Mm-hmm. Didn't mm-hmm. love it, you know, yeah. but it's kind of a filler anyway, yeah. But because they got the hits on there. But, dude, the show was amazing. It was interesting. I, I was with a friend that I was in college with, and we were at the, at the original Charlotte Coliseum seeing this show. And no opener. You know, it was just them. But during one of the songs, Ross at the Roth is at the front of the stage, and all of a sudden, this bottle, like Jack Jack, Jack Daniels' bottle, comes whizzing by his head. Right, and I was like, he, and my roommate was like, "Oh my gosh, you see that man? He about got hit in the head with a bottle." And I said, "Well, I bet you if you go to Columbia tomorrow night, that same bottle's coming back through it." <laughs> you know. And uh, sure enough, a friend of ours went and, you know, the same thing happened. And I was like, dude, it's a show. They practice that stuff. That's all part of the show. You know, wow. they know where they're going to be at each moment. You know, they know what they're going to say. Like, I used to think I would tell when I'd come home from a kiss show when I was a kid, I would say, Mom. You ain't gonna believe that Paul Stanley said we're the best audience they've ever had. <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> and then the next night in yeah. in Maryland, he says, we said they were the best you know we ever yeah, had. Right. So trying to explain that shows are made like that, you know. But yeah, I dig the record, man. I, and I Van Halen, man, I'm a big fan of them. And I, I like every record they've ever done except for Diver Down. <laughs> I mean, well, you know I, what I mean. Yeah, I don't I don't love Van Halen three. Um, are you talking about the well, Roth okay, records? No, no, yeah, I'm okay. Well, I'm not even including that in a band oh, okay. record, even oh, okay. though I'm a huge Gary Sharon fan. I I'm not even Gary including Sharon. that. You know, you wonder about Gary. You wonder, did he just say, "I'm done, I'm done with the brothers, and I'm moving on," or did it just not work where it just the record was so bad yeah. that you know what I mean? I mean, I, I mean the record. I, you yeah, saw him record, live. The record was a dud. I, the tour was great. It the tour was, was great. incredible, but. I don't know, man. I think at that at that moment in time when they made Van Halen three and Sharon was the singer, I really believe Eddie felt like they were a current rock band. And mm. I think it's a hard pill to swallow for bands when they move from a current band into a legacy act. And yes. that's what Van Halen is. You know what I mean? No one comes mm. to see Van Halen for to new hear stuff. new songs. Nobody. They they want to hear all the classics, and when you when that happens, you're you're a legacy act. I mean, it's just you just are, and there's really nothing wrong with it. There is not. Look, I will take being a legacy band any day. I mean, if I want to go, if I'm going to pay what ticket prices are today, when yeah. you and I went to Poison, Def Lep, and Tesla, yeah, dude, there wasn't a song that night that we didn't know. Not one song. Not one of those bands played anything new, right? We knew every tune from every band. That's there, that's worth your money. And there wasn't an open seat in the arena. Not one. And, and it's the even, same. It's the same thing with the with the stadium tour with Motley Crue, Def yes. Leppard, Poison, Joan Jett. I mean, they're selling seventy thousand seats a night. They're selling out stadiums. 
and they're only going to play hits. They're, they're, they don't, no one's got new records that they're supporting. Nobody cares that they have a new record out. I mean, if there was an announcement made today that, hey, Poison's got a new record out, I would be coming out, I would go, okay. I mean, I really wouldn't care. Yeah. I mean, you know, I might give it a listen just to say yeah. if it's, you know, pretty good, but I yeah. could care less about them. I would not want to go see them to hear new stuff. Don't yeah. want to see any band like that do new stuff. Yep. You know, same thing with Van Halen. You go, you want to hear Unchained, and you want to hear, you really got me, and you want to hear, you want to hear Running with the Devil and all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, of course, and of course, absolutely. You know, there, the only other band in that kind of era that was out in the '80s that I feel like still makes records and actually still makes pretty good records is Striper. Yeah. Oddly enough, you know, man, today, dude, I texted you. I I was riding to work today, and the Hell with the Devil came on. <laughs> and I, I got faster and faster yeah. driving. That song is so freaking powerful, man. His yeah. voice. And now they have the new record that just came out. Yep. Um, even the devil believes. Yep. And dude, I can't find it. It is already that sold that much yeah. to where I went on Amazon to try to grab it. You know, I couldn't get it. It's not, it's not in stock anymore. Yeah. And dude, Michael Sweet's vocal still sounds incredible. The dude yes. sounds great yeah a, yeah man he, he and, I, and i found yellow and black attack this yep. past weekend i found it it you mm-hmm. know the very first record and dude i was listening to that you know and it's just what it is it's so yeah. it is so classic early 80s metal you know yeah. and his writing is of course has evolved but his voice has gotten better <laughs> he's so it's good just man. so freaking good man yeah you know but i mean think right. about it. The, he's got so much credibility with the rock world i mean he when, does when brad delp passed away uh, mm-hmm. from boston you know yeah. they, they asked michael sweet to come sing lead for them on tour and stuff and he right, did right and then george lynch made a record with michael sweet i mean it's just like mm-hmm. the, the guy he's just got so much cred because he's just so good man and like yeah that's the it. whole content of their music and all kind of stuff that right. just doesn't matter to anyone not anymore because they're so good. That's because right. Because they didn't, they didn't go, they were just like, hey, listen, man, we're, we're going to sing about what we want to sing about, but we're going to play the same clubs, the same, we're going to take the same road everybody else takes. That's right. That's and they, right. they gained respect and they went and played the Troubadour. They played, you know, the Whiskey. They played all those places, all those man. Places, and they'd man. sell them out. And you know what? Yes. All the guys from Poison, all the Guns N' Roses guys, they all went to see him too because they loved him because they were so they freaking good. And Adler was a fan, right? Steven he Adler. Was. He is said, a fan. "Yeah, Adler said in his book, he's like, oh man, we used to go see Striper at the at the Whiskey. Yeah. Man, they were they were. I love them. They're so tight and so great. And that was because it because they just put on a great show, you know. And they're yeah. one of the few kind of '80s rock '80s metal bands that are still making records that, quite honestly, are still doing pretty well. You know, they. I know that." They did. They did a lot of shows with Van Halen. Actually, they mm. did. I, you know, I'd reading in Michael Sweet's book, and they talked about how they did. They opened for Van Halen a lot when they were first getting going, and you know, they said Van Halen treated them with respect, man. And and again, it goes back to the fact that they didn't come in there with any kind of pretension or nothing. They came in there saying, "Look, we're just another band from L.A." Just like you guys are. We might sing about something different, but you know what? We're not going to get up on stage and embarrass you, Van Halen. 
Yeah. Because, you know, we're going to get out there and we're going to freaking rock. Yeah, but they had legitimate hits, man. They had they, they had, had hits. They had hits, hits. On, on radio, hits on MTV. That's they were right. selling they were selling tons of records. They were selling tons of tickets. They were playing arenas, selling them out. I mean, come on. It's it's just yes. insane. It's insane. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I didn't know. I didn't know Van Halen had done a lot of show or that, that Striper had toured with mm, Van Halen. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they, they did, that, man. But, it's cool to yeah. know that a band the caliber of Van Halen you know, had some influence even on band like Striper, you know, yeah. because how many, how many influences did Eddie Van Halen have on young guitar players? Oh my up? gosh, dude, he I was mean, the guy. I mean, everybody, everybody looked up to him. I mean, Dave Buchanan who played, played guitar in our Dave, band. Yes. I mean, he looked up to Eddie. I mean, it was Eddie. just, it was one of those things, man. When you grew up in, in the era that, that I grew up in, certainly in the eight, I'm an eighties kid, you know, I grew up in the eighties. I mean, Eddie Van Halen was the guy. Everybody knew who he was. The influence that Van Halen had on so many bands is crazy. Kramer Guitars did a good yes. thing. You know what I mean? Like by endorsing or, or him endorsing Kramer Guitars, because I know like Dave did buy a Kramer. And I know yeah. like mm -hmm. that's what a lot of the guys had when I was growing up, you know, were Kramer Guitars because right, that's, what, right. that's what Eddie played. And they would all like tape their guitars, yes, try to tape it up to make it look right like there. that 1984 <laughs> guitar, so you know, funny, that man. red, black, and white guitar. It's almost like, because it was, the crazy thing about it is, I don't know if he did this on purpose, but, you know, Michael Jordan was massive in the 80s and his shoes were red, yes. black, and white. And Eddie's mm -hmm. 1984 guitar was red, black, and white. And it was just like, oh, dude, it just, I think maybe because all of us kids were, you know, watching Michael Jordan soar through the air with these shoes. And then we go over here, we look at Eddie Van Halen with this guitar and the color scheme was exactly the same. And I think maybe subconsciously we just, we equated all that with greatness and you just wanted to have the Air Jordan shoes and you wanted to have your guitar That's taped right, up like, like Eddie Van Halen. 84, 1984. Now think about this. Remember what came out in 1984, Purple Rain? Mm. Think about all the big records that came out in 1984. That was a yeah. huge. That's what, 1984 is one of the most memorable years for me in my life. Wow. For several reasons. Um, part of the, I quit college that year, and because I wanted to do something else. But the music that was out that year, there was a lot of great stuff going out. So. Not only was there all these like Purple Rain and a bunch of other stuff coming out, but Van Halen's 1984 hung in there right with all the pop stuff that was out yeah. too. Because on the videos, you saw Jump and then you saw Purple Rain or you saw, you know, Tom Petty or wh whoever you saw. But Van Halen's c coming from a rock, hard rock thing. And then all of a sudden they are considered somewhat of a pop. Yeah angle yeah. to them you know and so they had a whole new bunch of fans come yeah. you know and you know blame mtv for that blame night tracks videos or whatever but yeah man i i, I like the record i did okay so i will tell you how much i like the record i have a copy mm -hmm. i just rebought the second copy of it on 180 gram because i didn't have it i had the og right yeah. and so i just bought a new one but i like the record I, i'd listen to it again i don't have anything to say bad about it at all man i'm a fan of it yeah man it's great i mean it, it brings back a lot of memories i think the cover in like in and of yeah. itself is really iconic <laughs> you know you see that that little kid with that, that little, little smirk kid. on his face with the angel wings smoking the cigarette and that was that not one of the records that the PMRC just jumped all over, man. Ah, uh, man, maybe they they might have. You know I don't know. They did, dude. You know they did. And you know the other thing about it too is it it doesn't say. Um, well, I mean it does say 1984 on the record, but it says it in Greek 
um, Greek uh, or sorry, not Greek, Roman numerals. Um, oh yes, on on the record, you know what I mean? Which it I does, which I thought it? was really cool, you know, because people call they always call we always call it 1984, but it doesn't doesn't specifically spell that out like in English, right? You look at the that's cover, crazy. it's Van Halen. Well, what are those right. Roman numerals off to the side? You know, that's what you it is. 1984. We, yeah, we just automatically called it that, didn't we? Wow, yep. man. Well, hey, man, listen, we have a blog out. Yeah, we do, man. Check out that blog, man. Absolutely check out that blog. We think you'll like it. There's some good stuff about it that's different than what we talk about on the show, and it's really easy to find, thesortofcoolshow.com. Yeah, it's additional content. I mean, it's it's a little bit more commentary, a little bit deeper discussion, um, uh, exclusive articles that you won't hear on the show, but you'll right. see on the blog. And, um, yeah, it's a, it's a really cool place for us to kind of expand a little bit different thought on things and talk about things in a different way that you really don't have yeah. time to do on the show. Hey, man. All the time, bro. Was, man. Chat. Absolutely, man. Great seeing you again after yeah, a bro. week, though. <laughs> <laughs> I'll hey, see you man, next take week. Take care. All right, dude.